comes ahead on goal, and Jordan Morris has done it. Appealing in vain for offside, the Chicago Fire defenders. Jordan Morris from the doorstep saves the day for the Sounders. the other way. Look who's running hard after defensively. Wayne Rooney, the net is empty. Big collision by the captain. That is unbelievable effort. Rooney putting one up. Bacosta. The Stateside Soccer Show with Logan and Jordan. Hello and welcome to the Stateside Soccer Show. I am a man who's currently dying, coughing to death. Jordan Wiegand and with me is the man who would laugh as I keel over Logan Stump. I was doing the boom, boom for a theme song. Oh, that was a lot of fun. Um, This is the hairline you are looking for. <laughs> um, yeah. oh man i was just finishing up this this diet coke that i had and it like went down wrong and then i just started like having a cough and i had to make sure that i drank it before i coughed or else it would have went all over the computer we would have had a really rough start to this episode i was um, waiting for you to like keel over i was like well i guess i'm hosting no you have the baseball show to host i'm not dying so you can take <laughs> this one over too um but yeah, we we are talking uh, all things American soccer. We got uh, the qualifiers coming up. We got some games during this window as well for the for MLS. We got the the weekend results that just happened, and we have a great interview with Chris Smith from Ninety Men uh, covering MLS. And specifically, we ask him a lot about Pineda's turnaround uh, for. Atlanta. And then we also have some Peppy and U.S. men's questions, so stick around if you want to hear some of that. But as a great interview, we'll we'll play that for you in just a bit. But Logan, how are you doing? I'm good, Jordan. I uh, back to work, back to the grind uh, that is teaching high school students. But uh, we've got fall break coming up soon, so that's exciting. So I get a little bit of a rest here, and I oh can yeah, you have that and... bizarre thing called yeah, fall break. It's, it's a it's a weird like added in thing like i know in college that they used to have them but now uh, our high school is nice enough to give us a few more off days here and there so they've added a fall break and so i'll be off for five days or something of work so it'll be nice and uh, i'll be able to watch some really good soccer hopefully and uh u.s men's national team and some major league baseball postseason but i am great jordan how are you i know you were uh, running on fumes here yeah it's uh it's been a day and uh I would have said I was fine before this uh, start of the episode, but now I feel like I still have to cough a lot. So uh, you might see me mute myself a lot here if you're watching the episode, because I don't want to have uh, myself cough all over the podcast. That's what they here. want. That's what they came here for, Jordan. <laughs> yeah, uh, we're a coughing podcast now. So uh, what we want to do is let's start off with some just quick news. And then we'll play the interview, and then we'll do the recap of the week, and we'll preview uh, the next games and the qualifiers. Does that sound good? That sounds great. All right, so the news that came out today is that Minnesota is hosting the 2022 MLS All-Star Game presented by Target. And where else would it fit better if it's presented by Target than Allianz Field in Minnesota? Minnesota United sponsors Target. Target was founded in Minnesota, and Target always does the MLS All-Star Game. So this is like a perfect match in heaven. And our guys from the final third, AJ and Jack, already said that they're going on August 10th. I feel like it'd be fun if we could go meet them there, but it's a little later in the year. You're going to be going back to school. Yeah, it's a tough time. Yeah, but uh, we can kind of preview. Maybe uh, next summer, Logan might be making his little way up to see Jordan catch baseball and soccer games. Exactly. 
Yeah. Uh, check also, out, check out I the thought, stadium behind me. Yeah, the <laughs> Philadelphia Phillies. Um, so, <laughs> no, but I, I thought you were Jordan. I thought I hadn't read that article yet, like as far as like the location of the. And I thought you were going like they're going to go play on Target Field, which is the Minnesota Twins stadium. That would have been oh, no. awful. Yeah, that would be <laughs> oh, awful. No. Like, you know, Target was maybe pushing for that, right? They're like, I don't know, man. Target Field right does it. there. It's presented by Target. It's in Minnesota. Uh, no, uh, I'm sure, Dang. I'm sure Target doesn't actually care where it is, honestly. but, uh, I think they got many other things to worry about. Uh, but you know, it, it, this is a good location for the all-star game. I know you've never been to an all-star game. I went to the MLS all-star game in 2012 against Chelsea. I, this is going to sound bad. I wore my Chelsea stuff, but I did buy wow. an MLS Jersey there. Uh, the all-star jersey and um <clears throat> i wear that a lot still but uh yeah I, me and my cousin went to uh wearing our chelsea stuff but really uh i didn't care who won i was actually i actually jumped up and cheered when the mls uh, won so that was <laughs> that was fun and i feel like nowadays if they were to play chelsea again it would be <laughs> I, I i would still i'd be even more rooting yeah. for the uh mls team but I don't think we know who they're playing yet. No, it does not say. Would you be shocked if this is uh, Liga Max All Stars again? No, uh, especially because of COVID. I think COVID and the I mean, Cup. I mean, yeah. I feel like they're just starting to really, yeah, form this relationship. Yeah, right. Um, I think it's a good advertisement piece uh, heading into 2023. I think it's a really aver- a great advertisement for the World Cup coming down to the final. Um, where we're probably going to have to be qualifying with Mexico or against Mexico. So that'll be good advertisement. I feel like this is a self, self-made self uh, kind of system here. Um, I think it'd be a lot of fun to see them play a European team, but I think just because of COVID and everything that's currently going on, and as, as experts predict, it would at least be spring until next year where you start to see normalcy in the United States. But that being said, there's a lot of other countries that are unfortunately not able to get vaccinated yet. So it's, it's a little tough for them. So I, I would expect, Jordan, yes, they will use this as a marketing tool, as an advertisement tool for all the things to come when it's uh, talking about League of X and uh, MLS. I think that you hit it right on the head. I think that that is definitely what's going to happen. Um, and right in the heartland of the United States um, in, in Minnesota. <laughs> I would say I, I'm over the European stuff. Just yeah. just give us League on Max All Stars again. Uh, yeah. th- th- that'll be more fun, and and it'd actually be an All Star game of, mm-hmm. you know, both not leagues. them playing against a well oiled team. Yeah. They'd be playing against people that also don't play together and have fused themselves together for this. So mm-hmm. I'd be fine with that. I'd be fine if eventually when we get to thirty or more teams to just do MLB style, East versus West. Yeah. You know, Eastern Conference, Western Conference. They all get their all-stars. They did that in, I think, one of the first all-star games, and they kind mm-hmm. of dropped it after a while. But but I think right now the reason why we need it to be League MX is because it's the most watched league, so it's going to get more eyes on the all-star game. Uh, you know, an East versus West is not probably going to get as many eyes because it's yeah. just not a big draw. And with the markets coming in too, I think it's interesting. And and I know the I know that a big push for MLS uh, with some of these existing markets. That I mean, with Sacramento dropping their bid and having a team, I think that you'll start to see the United States cater more towards possibly a team that's going to have a lot of Mexicans as their fan base. Because I think with Austin, it's been successful in the fact that I'm sure there's probably a lot of Mexican uh, Liga MX fans just like Hernan that that didn't really follow MLS like passionately. They followed it more as a casual. And then when they finally got a team in Austin, it like solidified that bond and that relationship uh, with Austin, the community and with the, with the MLS and they have been Mexican fans. And that's huge because it's growing the game over there as well. And like you said, that's the most watched league uh, over on this side of the pond. So exciting stuff. Yeah. Uh, so we'll talk some peppy stuff with Chris, but I did want to say there's a report coming out that Wolfsburg is one of the uh, German teams in the uh champions league who are looking uh for ricardo pepe there's also been talks of Bayern. there's been talks of a Serie a club and there's been talks of uh ix um really going after him yeah but uh 
we'll talk about where we land on where he should be going uh, in the interview. So I think that's all of like the quick news. I don't think any other big news. St- uh, well, yeah, we did actually. Hold on. Uh, totally forgot. Cincinnati. Uh, no, Chicago. Uh, Ralph no. Wiki out of the job. He is. He's gone. And then right after they left, they were like, "All right, let's make the rebrand official now." <laughs> <laughs> They're like, "We're really starting over." He's gone after a win. And then they're like, all right, uh, if you go to MLS website now, the, the new logo is on there, on the schedule yeah. and on the and on the standings. Um, so, you know, it's not on their jerseys yet, but I feel like I feel like that's why they – I think they were waiting for 2022. But yeah. I think once they fired their manager, they're like, okay, let's get some good news out there, right? <laughs> so this is what will be going forward, and they put that out there. I Ahead like of time. It. I like it. What a great PR stunt. <laughs> yes. Uh, and I, I really do like this crest a lot. We've talked about too. it. We've talked yeah. about it in the past. Uh, but this is what we're talking about here. You know, that is their, uh, the one all the way over on the left of your screen is their original one that lasted from 98 to 2019. And then they had the Chicago Fire Crown one that looks awful. That was 2020 to 2021. And then starting next season officially on the kits and stuff should be this uh this new revamped one that really i think is great because beautiful i I like that they have the city's colors on it it has the star in there it has uh the yes it it has the what florian cross is that yeah um but it's a little more subtle Oh no, I I think you know it's definitely better than the crown one. I don't know if it's their best one, but I think that this one is is nice. Yeah, and the Cubs incorporate these colors, and so do the Bulls. Now the Bulls use some of that light blue too. Yeah, and like alternate jerseys because the you know Nike has to get Mm -hmm. uh, the million jerseys out there (laughs) uh, for them to make money on. Same way they're doing these Connect jerseys now, which I don't like for baseball. Right. But I do like the I like the cohesive feel of those teams. Um, and another thing, I guess you could throw in with the Chicago Fire. Uh, interesting news dropped that the Chicago Bears on the football side, American football, bought some land that was formerly, I think it was like horse racing, uh, and they bought one of these huge pieces of land. It sounds like they're obviously going to be moving a stadium or something out there. Many think it's a stadium, uh, which would mean the end of Soldier Field as far as the football teams confer- concerned. So it makes you wonder, Jordan. Can Chicago pull off a soccer-specific stadium by either taking out Soldier Field and using that land, or can they kind of redo some of that stadium and use kind of the skeleton and bones to kind of create the soccer-specific stadium inside the city of Chicago, which would be a huge move for the Chicago Fire? I think they could convert it into a soccer-specific stadium. Look... Are they ever going to sell out Soldier Field? No. No, I don't think so. They, You know what it'll really take? It's going to take them putting together an actual team. Yeah. You, we've talked about it before on the show, As even though we're about a year old now, by the way. Congrats. Um, we've reached the year mark we yesterday. Have. 80 episodes. And we're on episode 80. Right. Uh, but uh, And don't forget, I did the first 16 by myself. But anyway... <laughs> Anyway, you're 100 this year, maybe, but not mine. (laughs) My point is uh, you can rebrand as many times as you want, but it's not always going to put butts in seats, um, which we've seen with Chicago. Now, also, you know, we're still coming out of a pandemic, so it is what it is, right? But this team needs to be better. Uh, They need to put some actual quality together there's talks of bob bradley going here which would actually be huge and i it's the only team i can see him leaving lafc for because he started that team Mm -hmm. he was the manager in 98 that went in there and won mls cup and has had the best run for an expansion team in mls won mls cup and uh you know really built something there and then uh you know eventually left but that is somewhere I could see him going the, the new uh, that'd be a huge move for them. They'd have to make sure that, and I'm sure he would guarantee it, that they actually invest in this team 
and they actually bring in players he wants. Do you think Bob goes here at the end of the season? Like his contract's out. So like, it's not like they have to buy him out or anything. They just need to entice him and say, Hey, help put us back on the map. You know, we're back in soldier field, bring people to Chicago. We're going to bring in some big players or, you know, good players. We're going to play exciting soccer. Bob, we want you to do this. Or does he just say, you know, because it's not like LAFC has been lighting the world on fire this year. So do you think it's possible he says yes to this? I think there's a really good chance that he says yes to this. I think with LAFC on this weird spot where they, I think they're going to, you're going to see some pieces start to move around uh, with the LAFC. And I think you've already started to see it with Mark Anthony K being on the move. I think Rossi's time is limited. I think Carlos Vela is very limited in his time left. Um, Atuesta, it's a matter of time before he's gone as well. I, I think you've got a lot of pieces getting ready to shift around and move. They haven't really been known for their youth either. And Chicago is a huge market. They're owned by Je- uh, Joe Mensueto, who is a billionaire who's going to be able to put some money into it. And I think bringing a high-level, high-profile coach back to the city of Chicago I mean, that's huge. I know this city because I'm a Cubs fan and I know how attractive it can be um, to live in, especially especially in the time that they play, because roughly March through, I mean, about November, it's a pretty comfortable time. It's a good city to live in during those times and during those months. So I think that, it, yeah, it's just a very attractive market. This is a very attractive job, I think, for Bob. And I think this is like that next challenge that he would want to take on. Like here's LAFC, who they just kind of built this team for in the stadium and they've just kind of handed him the gold and the keys to the car and he's done well with them. Now let's see what Bob's got. And I think he's young enough to think that this is an enticing move. And this kind of has those remnants of like what they've done in Chicago with the White Sox and the Cubs, where they've kind of built these two teams up. I think that that's going to be attractive for the soccer team to do that. And what better place to do it in maybe a stadium in Chicago. Um, and Would I this make the fire uh, the White Sox where they bring back the Tony La Russa yeah. style coach here, yeah. uh, you know what? Years yeah. after, yeah, I mean, I, Bob's not retired, obviously, but no. you know, like it's just kind of. But he's teetering, maybe. Him. But yeah, no, I, I think you're, I think you're right. He's very passionate. He's very fiery, and those types tend to do well there. I mean, Lou Pinella was there for a long time. Ozzy Gian was there for a long time. So I think fiery coaches in the Midwest, the heartland of the United States. I think it's perfect. Like it, it might be a match made in heaven, Jordan. I think with the money that they can pump into this bad boy, it could be fun. Like this rebrand could be a blast if Bob signs on. I want to see what the kits look like. They got to make some great kits. Yes. If you ever look up Logan, look up some of the Chicago fires, older kits. Okay. They, they used to be really good. Red, a lot more red where now they wear a lot more blue, but a lot of red with a big white, center stripe yeah. and like just really fun and it says fire on it like mm-hmm. they've had some really good they've had uh, some fire kits yeah chicago fire kits here um and uh you know what i try to collect one from each team uh but i have not collected a chicago one and i think i was always going to try to get an older one due to the uh the monstrosity of the new logo but I think I might wait and see what they come up with with their new one because it can be really good. But these colors, these lighter colors. So like that. Like Bastions. Yes. Yeah. I mean, even that's not even that long ago, but no. you know, they really had the interesting center stripe. Uh I really like these teams that have like that was their thing. The mm-hmm. union's thing was the stripe going down in the center, like, you know, uh, these teams have kind of abandoned some of those. It, it's rumored that the union are going back to that. Um, Cause they had the fan input that made the cool lightning kit are going to be making, uh, were put in for the home kit. So I'm really excited. Oh, we're going to have a whole kit watch on this off season uh, yeah, that we're going to do yeah. when they start leaking and stuff. We're going to be talking all about them, yeah. but let's, I guess let's move on to uh, let's go ahead and talk some, uh, interview here with uh, with Chris Smith. So let's go ahead and take a break, and we'll come back and have Chris Smith of Ninety Men join us. And we are back from our break, and we are welcoming in Chris Smith from Ninety Men. Helps cover. Uh, started out what covering Atlanta, and then started really covering all of MLS uh, from across the pond here. So. Thanks for jumping back on with us. Yes, my pleasure. Thanks for having me. 
Yeah, late so, uh, in your yeah, time. Go ahead, Logan. <laughs> yeah. Late your time, and then from uh, a remote location. Uh, yeah. Can you let us in on a little bit of maybe what you're doing, uh, wandering around? Yeah, I'm on the road in London, which is about four, four or five hours away from where I live. Um, doing basically going to the Leaders in Sport convention tomorrow, um, interviewing a club president of uh, an incoming MLS club. So keep your eyes out for that one. But right now, doing the midnight shift again, as always. <laughs> Yeah, that's awesome. Um, so uh, I guess let's just get started. Last time we we spoke was I guess preseason for Atlanta. They were under you know Gabriel Heinze. Mm. Everybody thought that was going to be the start of something, and then you know uh, it all kind of fell apart um, pretty quickly into the season. And uh, you know Logan and I were talking on the show previously that they really had to nail this next signing because they were kind of starting to look down the barrel of, of the gun here where they came in hot into MLS and then really started um, just making bad decisions. You know, I, I think I may have talked about this on the preseason show or not, but I, I thought Frank DeBoer was an odd choice to begin with. And then, you know, that lasted as long as it did. And then, you know, I, I thought Heinze would be great, but then, you know, we find out he didn't want people drinking water uh, during, <laughs> <laughs> during training. But um, stay hydrated. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> <laughs> so then we have, you know, uh, Gonzalo Pineda uh, from Seattle, uh, former player there, but also um, assistant coach. And it seems like this has been a really good fit. He even had some of the fans come into an open training and it just seems like they've absolutely turned around. What do you think it is that about him? Is it just his MLS experience? Is it just the chemistry he brings or like his methods? Like, what do you think it is that has really helped turn this around? Uh, I think it's a combination of a few of the factors you've just said there. I think when you're looking at leagues like the Premier League or Serie A, I think you, you often get that trope of he's got to have experience in the league, but and I don't think it really counts over there, but in MLS with the travel restrictions and sort of the roster restrictions and all the different sort of hurdles you can come up against, it very much counts. So I think that's really important in getting Gonzalo in. Obviously, he's he's got experience as a player. Um, to the best of my knowledge and other reporters who've followed it closely, his time as a coach, he was very much a big part of the tactical brain behind Brian Schmetzer. So Obviously, that's that's a good thing coming in and, and taking over a new team. You know that he knows what he's doing. And he can he can get a response pretty quickly. But the the biggest one, sort of looking from the outside in as a journalist, and I've not been fortunate enough to get into as many press conferences as I did Gabriel Inter because obviously I've I've now started covering more of the league as a whole. But the ones I've been in, he's just really fun. Like. He's just so open. He's always got a smile for you, unless you ask him a really stupid question. Which <laughs> we're all culpable of sometimes, but usually he's got a lot of time for you. He's really happy and, and really open, and he likes to connect with with journalists because he knows that they're the middle ground with the fans. And, and then obviously bringing the fans into the training session, it seems like he's trying to rebuild that family culture, which I think did exist in the first couple of years and kind of got torched thereafter a little, a little bit, but. He seems like a step back towards the Tata Martino era as well, stylistically, where it's more front-footed, more let, let's get forward quickly when, when we do get the ball back. And yeah, there's been a few hiccups, but he's taken over a team that's very much sort of being rebuilt from the ground up and has had two managers where it's been a very stagnant style of play. We all thought Gabriel Inter would be that guy who'd take it take it back to 2017 and 2018, but it really turned out to be more of the same as, as Frank DeBoer. But I think Pineda's definitely bringing it the right way again. Yeah, so uh, you, I, I read an article that you had done that you said that these were kind of the five reasons as to how Atlanta United has turned it around and has continued. If, if they're going to continue success this season, these are the things that need to happen. Can you kind of talk to, and people that don't watch Atlanta United, can you talk to how have tactics changed? Um, I mean, this team seems like they had a really deep roster. And then when they start out the season, I think it was two wins out of the first 17 matches. Mm. Um, how did it change so drastically? What has he done differently with the squad? Um, all water and hydration jokes aside, <laughs> which obviously I think there's two sides to that story, isn't there? So right. we'll, we'll not comment too much, but um Really, I think the biggest 
difference I've noticed is it's possession with purpose now. Uh, they still dominate the ball quite a lot. Right. But where under De Boer, for example, or obviously under under Ainter, it was it was very much rotating the ball around the back and there was no real not that there wasn't a desire to get the ball forward, I just don't think they knew how to. Um all the pieces were there, but there, there didn't seem to be a clear instruction on who's the guy who's going to take the ball on the turn and distribute forward, who's the guy who's going to dribble from deep, what are the fullbacks supposed to be doing to, to push you up the pitch and, and pin the opposition back. That all seems to have been it's started to be ironed out. Um obviously Rob Valentino needs a lot of credit there as well. Uh, it's, it, it, they've both started ironing that out, but as I say, there's still hiccups, but on the whole, it seems possession with purpose. And then obviously getting Joseph Martinez back on form is also really important. He's got eight goals in his last it's nine or 10 appearances now. Um, obviously, he's still struggling with his fitness, but when he's on form, he, he does make the difference. Now, it came out yesterday, I believe, where it said that he had gotten a hamstring strain. Um, is there a major concern around the club? Is it still kind of under wraps? Um, I mean, obviously, there's major concern if he can't play um, about how effective this team can be heading into the playoffs. As to the concern around the club, I'm not 100% sure, but it, they don't seem to be too... sort of things that happens when you're coming back from such a severe injury. Um as for more the feeling around the people covering the club, I was listening to Five Strike Final before and I completely agree with what the guys on there, Joe and Sam said, were if he if he has his minutes managed now um, up until the playoffs, fingers crossed they get there, then that's not a that's not a bad thing, especially with, with Luis Arujo being in there now. It's it, we've we've got a lot more options. So mm-hmm. regardless of the severity, which I don't think it's too bad. Um, I think it's probably best to manage his minutes, bring him in for the odd game, and if he's not feeling it, then keep him out. Um, when it comes to, uh, I was just looking at Joseph's numbers. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's you know he's been ticking up in form here. But when we look mm-hmm. at uh, Atlanta, you know, two losses in their last five uh, against good teams. Are everybody's mm-hmm. kind of surprised about Montreal this year and them losing to Philadelphia, but. You know, at one point in this last uh, week or two, they were in the playoff spot. They've fallen right out of it. Mm-hmm. Um, they're only one point back, though, with uh, six games left. I mean, just, I guess, ballpark. Do you think they have a pretty good shot of making it in here this year? Um, and if so, do you think maybe Montreal is the one that uh, that falls out there? Yeah, I'm just – Sneakily bringing up the table on my phone while uh, you're finishing <laughs> yeah. that question. Yeah, it, it, listen, it, it's really that Eastern Conference is ridiculously tight. Mm-hmm. It's an absolute mess. Um, I I think they'll make it. They've got arguably the most favourable running. They've still got Toronto twice, I believe. Uh, they've got yeah. Cincinnati, and then they've got Red Bulls. They've got into Miami. All teams below them, and and the biggest test is NYCFC. You aren't in great form themselves and have obviously just lost Anton Tinnerholm as well. So I think they'll make it. I think who drops out, I really do think it's a toss-up between Montreal, obviously the favourites to drop out, and NYCFC because of the the mountain injuries and sort of the the dip in form they're suffering. But yeah, I, th- I think they'll get in. Yeah, it's crazy too because like you said, it's, it's been insane. They're only three points back of mm. third place in the East. Yeah, <laughs> it's 10, 10 points from third to eleventh, which it's just that's just ridiculous. Like you can't you can't even write into Miami after just yet because who's yeah. to say that Gonzalo Higuain won't go on a bit of a tear and fire him mm. back up the up the table again? It's it's so tight. I've not seen it like this for for quite a while. Yeah, I saw on Twitter was going around. It was kind of like which teams are battling for this like hodgepodge of a like an Eastern Conference. They're like, I don't really know who wants this spot, but whoever wants to take it, go ahead and take it. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, whoever puts a run together in the final few games, now it's it's theirs. And I do think that will be Atlanta with, with the schedule. Yeah, so that's I, a cupcake schedule. Uh, <laughs> really. So we were I, I, we haven't really talked to you obviously since uh, Miles Robinson and his run with the U.S. Men's National Team. Uh, his impressive run of form. I know he's been critical to uh, Atlanta United's back line mm. and kind of what they've done back there to be successful. Can you also talk, uh, you know, talk miles a little bit and also talk about some of the pieces that have kind of come together to turn this thing around as well? 
There's my cat too. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we, I think with with Miles, it's the criticism was always that he he's a great defender, but he can't play the ball. Uh, I think he's very much sort of dispelled that myth now this season. You, you think back to his assist for for Marcelino Moreno against, I believe it was in Nashville earlier in the season where he just plays this long raking ball over the defence and it's just perfect. That's not a one-off. Uh, he, he plays those big switches quite a lot now. Uh, he can play it on the floor. He can he can dribble out of pressure. So he's refined that that part of his game, no end. Um, on the defensive side of things, there's, there's never been any doubt, has there? Like one-on-one defending, right. aerial, sort of re- reading the game and making making key interceptions. That, that's always been the um, he's always been sort of the the break glass at the back when everyone else piles forward. He's the guy who'll sit there at the back and sort of defend one-on-one and and cut out counter attacks. So obviously really important moving forward for the rest of the season, whether he's going to be there next season is anyone's guess. Um, I would say no, because I think the European interest is going to come, mm-hmm. but all of that is just great for the national team at the end of the day, because John Brooks needs a partner and that, that position's right up there at the moment. Yeah. Kind of, I guess, pivoting to the uh, men's national team. Cause, uh... You know, sometimes I see your tweets at, at night yeah. during qualifying and, and stuff like that. And I was just wanted to kind of get your perspective on, you know, you, you may have seen during the last window, lots of people freaking out, pushing the panic button. Uh, mm. But now it seems like, you know, they're in third, U.S. in third place. They seem to be okay. Um, just overall, do you think that they will qualify for the World Cup in 2022? Um and I guess uh, you just mentioned John Book, uh, Brooks there because it seems like he's falling mm. a little bit out of favor on the you know on the Twitter app. People are really noticing some of his mistakes recently, um, but also uh, he did just have a back injury and they haven't called anybody up to replace him. So I guess kind of your thoughts on maybe why they wouldn't be calling in somebody uh, with time to spare. Yeah, it's. On, on the qualification side of it, they'll they'll get there. Uh, they, they've got plenty of quality there, and they're no they've nowhere near hit the peak yet. Obviously, in the last window, they they had a lot to contend with just with the Western McKenney situation. Yeah, uh, he's obviously a, he's obviously a big character in that dressing room, and and for for him to to do what he did, which you know I'm I'm not going to be overcritical of the guy. Everyone's human, makes mistakes. That's for for Greg to sort out. That's for that's mm-hmm. for the, the program to sort out, but. It's obviously going to have an effect. And then the Canada game, I saw people freaking out after that. But Canada are a good team now. They've yeah, got some great players. Exactly. And I don't think it was necessarily a bad performance. Um, you come out, obviously, the, the Honduras game didn't start great. But, mm-hmm. you know, the, the Pepe hype train crashed in through, into Honduras. <laughs> and, and that was that. But I think that, I think that's a big turning point because it proved that you can just go and roll these teams with your best attacking talent on the pitch. Um, obviously, there's a few missing this time, but Jamaica aren't the team that everyone thought they were going to be so far. So if you get a big win in that and get a few goals under your belt, maybe Pepe gets another couple of goals himself and gets some more confidence, then I think that's where you see the US go on a run. And the only team I can really see them struggling against then is Mexico and maybe Canada again. But I think qualification's safe. In terms of... The defensive position. I mean, yeah, John Brooks was at fault for the goal against Canada. Yeah. I, I can obviously I've slept a few times since then, but I do distinctly, <laughs> I distinctly remember. Uh, <laughs> I distinctly remember that and a fair bit of ball watching going on. And he's been culpable for a couple of sort of sticky moments for the US. But for Wolfsburg, I've tried to watch as much of him as possible over mm-hmm. the last eighteen months, and he's been really good. On the whole, I think he's been one of the one of the better. Not the best, but one of the better centre-backs in the Bundesliga. So I've got faith that it, it'll come good for him when he when he finds a consistent partner and when Greg settles on... Who that is. Yeah, on, on, a, on a firm way of playing as well. Does he want him playing out the back? Does he just want him to be a defensive centre-back? You know, there's, there's things that Berholtz has got to work out in terms of his style and how he gets the best out of his best players. And I think once that happens, you'll see Brooks thrive a little bit more. I want to. I want to see what you uh, think of this. Uh, Ricardo Pepe. 
do you think that he is a legitimate choice as far as Greg's concerned when it comes to the starting nine? Because it seems like that's one of the positions, obviously, that's still got a gaping hole in it. It seems like there's just been a battle for that one spot, and it looked like Pepe was ready to step into that last time. Yeah. Um, I mean, on form, there's, there's no one really bet, more suited to go in there. I mean, maybe Jordan Peefox got a, a good cause to, yeah. to make there, and Right now, I'd, unless I'm seriously forgetting someone, I'd put it down between those two. Uh, yeah. Josh Sargent is, is talented. I like him. I thought he was a relatively bright spark in a terrible Werder Bremen team last season. But, I mean, he's joined an even worse team in Norwich. So. <laughs> yes. <laughs> and, he, and he's not even played in his right position. So, yep. who knows how many goals he'll score, if any, this season. So, I think, you know, it's going to be tough for him now to... to come if, if, Greg's picking it on form. It's going to be tough for him to get back in now, but Pepe's scoring goals. Pepe's already scoring goals for the national team. He's setting up goals. Um, his link-up play is good. He's, he's quick. He's strong. He's still developing. Just keep giving him minutes for as far as I'm concerned. Uh, I do have another Pepe question, I guess. Uh, you know, you've been covering um, the transfer rumors that are going around here, but do you think at his age and, you know, the way he's been playing at Dallas that he's ready mm. to make that jump to, you know, some of the teams we see linked? Uh, I think um, you were quoted saying, like, Bundesliga, Champions League teams. Like, mm. do you think the plan for him is to go over there and actually play there or would he get loaned out or, like, join a B team? Like, um, I guess, do you think he's ready to make that move now or should he go to a lower, you know, Ajax was talked about, which would be, I, I thought would be a great move because, you know, it's a lower league, but he could uh, lower league from, uh, you know, like Champions League, uh, Bundesliga sure. teams. But, you know, it's a high scoring league a lot of times with uh, young strikers. And I think then he could get more eyes on him and then make that potential move to another team. So I want to just get your thoughts on maybe do you think he's ready for some of those potential destinations? Sure. I mean, from, from the indications I'm getting from the sources I've been going to for this transfer, there's no intention for him to go out on loan. Okay. Uh, he's very much making this move to to get playing as soon as possible and show everyone that he's cut out for this level, whether that be Bundesliga, whether that be mm-hmm. obviously Serie A, uh, obviously Ajax, as I, as I quoted as well, whoever that may be. Um, purely my own opinion, um, I would say go to the Bundesliga and really push yourself. If you're really yeah. back yourself, mm-hmm. go big. Um, it's no disrespect to Ajax. They're a great club. Um, I've said publicly that it'd be a great destination for him. Mm-hmm. We all know how he can, how they can develop players, and I would fully support that move. Um, but if you're asking me to be to give my objective opinion, the Bundesliga's got better teams in it. If you're yeah. playing better teams every single week and you're playing with better players and against better players, you're going to improve yourself. Uh, the only sticking point is which club does he go to? Um, and to make sure that they're a club that are happy to give him minutes and have got a good track record of, of developing young players, that's that's the main consideration. But from from what I'm sensing, he really backs himself. Uh, yeah. Those around him really back himself. So I would say Bundesliga. Nice. Any other questions, Logan? I think that I think we hit all. Of them I guess I have. I do have one last one. Just the league's <laughs> cup. Uh, you know that that whole <laughs> shakeup. Uh, I saw you tweeting about it when that was announced. Mm. I'll see a lot of people down about it over here, but just what's your thoughts on, you know, because we don't really have that over in Europe, right? Where mm-hmm. it's like just two nations coming together to do this. But what's your just thoughts on this shakeup for the League's Cup starting 2023? Um, personally, I'm actually a really big fan. It sounds really exciting. <laughs> like get the two leagues together for a month and just hash it out and see who's the best. Uh, the two sticking points for me are, are one, are the league going to back MLS teams mm-hmm. to actually build the rosters strong enough to go head to head? Like, obviously, we know that Seattle can can do it. They just have. Uh, we know that the likes of, say, the Revs this season could probably do, do some damage in Sporting KC, maybe. But then you look further down the league and, and I think about the likes of Dallas or, or Houston, sorry to dump on Texas there but <laughs> <laughs> or say FC Cincinnati and I look at the, I look at them and I, I, the prospect of them going up against say a Monterey or anyone like that it, it does scare me a little bit mm-hmm. but 
and that's where the league have got to, if they're going to have this partnership and they're going to push it, they've really got to help them out with with relaxing the roster rules and, and giving them that backing. Uh, the other sticking point for me is, please don't kill the Open Cup. Yes. Um, yes. Maybe maybe I'm a, a romantic over in England. You know, I love the FA Cup and mm-hmm. I even love the, the, the League Cup to an extent. Um, yeah. I love domestic cups. I think it's great to get the smaller teams going up against the big guys and, you know, the big guys potentially having that banana skin and sort of making sure they overcome that and, and all going head to head and getting through to the end of the season. The US Cup's got so much her- Open Cup's got so much heritage. Like it's it's been the it's the, the one constant in, in American soccer. Every, uh, all the leagues fold and come back and you know clubs change and that's the one that's just kept going and going. And I think to if you want people to take you seriously, you've got to have heritage and you've got to have history. And I think to just to wipe that off for a new venture between two leagues would be a real shame. Yeah, I mean, I'm a big U.S. Open Cup fan. Um, it was actually like the longest cup competition in America for mm. like any sport uh, yeah. until the until the pandemic. Yeah. But you know, I, I I've gone to my local games. We've had like, you know, like really small teams that I get to go see play against uh, DC United around mm. here, and it was it was a blast. And I think when you don't have an open pyramid, it is important to be able to have at least that open cup that gets, you know, maybe some of those little teams. Some more revenue or or something when it comes to that because it really helps them, I think. And it got Cincinnati on the map because they faced yeah. Chicago in a big game on ESPN even in the Open Cup before they joined the league. So, yeah, all good points. Well, I mean, I I think back to when Atlanta won it, and obviously, you know, yeah. still reigning champions. You know, we'll, we'll keep, yeah. keep banging <laughs> keep that until Champions we take it off league, by force. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but I I think back to that run. I mean. Don't quote me on the exact teams because I was. Don't forget, I'm watching it at three a.m., so I'm probably hallucinating on who, yeah. who they're even playing. But they got tested that year by some USL teams, like taken yeah. to extra time. And you know, I remember Brandon Vasquez pulling them out of trouble a couple of times. So that is what the US Open Cup can do to you. And as much as it's frustrating to watch on as a fan, and you really want your team to to roll these lower league teams, at the same time you have to have a bit of admiration for them. And it's great to see sort of the, the big guns being tested like that and as a point back to the heritage like it's it's that really old competition mm-hmm. keep it and, and double down on that in my opinion yeah well uh i guess chris uh thanks for taking the time out do you want to tell everybody where they can find your work uh yeah sure i'm on twitter at cj smith 91 uh, on instagram now as well um chris underscore smith underscore mls I may probably got that wrong, but I don't use Instagram much, so it doesn't matter anyway. Um, <laughs> yeah, all my <laughs> all my MLS coverage is up on 90 Min now as well, so go and give them a follow as well. All right. Well, thank you. And we are back from interviewing Christmas. Hopefully everybody enjoyed that interview. Uh, do you agree with him? Do you think Atlanta gets one of those last spots? I think so. When you look at Atlanta United, um, a a team that's been on a roll, eight wins in their last 11 matches, uh, which is very decent. (laughs) If you've been watching Atlanta, it's been like a complete 180 from the season that they were having. And the biggest thing that I thought that was interesting that he brought up, they have probably one of the easiest finishes um, that any MLS team could have to to push their way into the playoffs. So we got about a couple games left here. We've got six left. They play Toronto twice. They play NYCFC, who's been awful lately. And Tenerholm has dropped, and so that's a huge loss for NYCFC. That game is at Atlanta. I, I just don't see how NYCFC can handle that. Um, Inter Miami again, like he said, maybe Gonzalo goes nuts, but it hasn't been likely. Uh, and especially against Atlanta, it seems like Atlanta seems to hold down Inter pretty well. Um, the Red Bulls, who have been awful too, uh, they've been very up and down and up and down, but down a lot lately. And then Cincinnati to wrap up that season. So yes. I do agree with Chris. I think if I'm looking at the teams right there and, and like he said, the, the, what is it? The third and ninth spot, no third and seventh or third and eighth spot are separated by three points. Um, And I think that one of those teams is going to give, and I'm not sure it's going to be Atlanta. Yeah, I think uh, what I, I, I do worry for Montreal. I worry for NYCFC. And actually, DC United, while they've been hot, I mean, all it takes is a bad run of form for them, and Atlanta could uh, take their spot. But 
really, I you know, I think only one of those is going to drop out, and we'll see mm-hmm. how it goes from there. Oh, uh, let's uh, let's just talk this real quick. Don, uh, <laughs> I wanted to share a picture of this um, and kind of get everybody's thoughts. And by everybody, I mean yours. And then you know, viewers can tell us uh, after the fact, I guess. Um, but what <laughs> what I wanted to share, let me go ahead and, and put this on the screen real quick. Just a second. Is Vin Diesel coaching FC Cincinnati? Uh, no, not yet. Oh, okay. Uh, <laughs> Not yet. What I wanted to share here is this gem that we have from L.A. If you if you know where I'm going with this yet, but uh, they went ahead and gave Landon Donovan a statue oh, over yeah. the weekend, and I just want to share this on screen. This looks nothing like him. <laughs> if you're listening. Go look it up if you haven't seen it. It really looks nothing like him. Right. Uh, it's got the hairline right. It's got the Logan hairline there. But oh, you know, you got... oh. <laughs> actually, I think he had probably more He's hair. He's got better hair. Yeah, yeah uh, but... and more money. <laughs> yeah, uh, you wish, right? Um, <laughs> right? I will say one thing I like about the statue is that the I think for this and the Beckham, the jerseys are colored. I like that. I like that a lot. But. Uh, it doesn't really look like him uh, with his face. And, you know, it has him, like, yelling, but it looks real wrinkled because of the way he's yelling. So it just makes him look old and not like Landon Donovan, really. But, geez, look at the veins on his arms, too. But what, what I wanted to just make a little – poke a little fun at that is I saw somebody make a really good point. As, you know, we've seen with the Ronaldo one that was uh, made fun of overseas, right? We got this one. Has I saw somebody say that statue technology has really regressed lately? Why Tommy is it? Silva and Vincent Companies is awful a city. Yeah, yeah. yeah. What is up with these newer statues with all this technology? Could they just kind of scan his face and, and put know. it out there? Especially with EA Sports and the way that EA can do visuals on a video game that look almost like they're jumping on the screen at you and it's the same exact person, right? Like I think that it definitely. I don't know. I, I feel like that it's definitely regressed. I think that they, they get scary and scary by the minute. Um, I, I don't know. When you look at that, Jordan, like, how do you, how do you like look at that and go, huh, that looks pretty good. I think that, that that'll make him happy. I think that that's ultimately, I think uh, we're like, good thing. I don't know if we're just letting artists just do whatever they want, I guess. I don't know. But you know, if we look at this, I mean, everything else looks great. Like the jersey is nailed. Like that is yeah. uh, that is what he wore. It even has the old MLS logo on the sleeve. Um, but it just it's like I said, it even has the hairline. I think they just right. really need to allow the artist to say, you know what? Maybe I'm not so good with doing his face. Uh, let's get a scan in there. Let's get Donovan in here to just do this ah face, and right. I will just uh, slap it in there. Right. Yeah. I, I don't. Uh, it's so bad. It is horrendous. Um, and, actually, and some statues look great. I mean, like, look, uh, Oriole Park has, I think, what, six statues. All those people look that like Cal Ripken looks like himself. You know, Brooks Robinson, all, the, all those people look great. I think even the Ray Lewis one in Baltimore looks really good. Um, so I, I don't know where it is that like. And, and and those as well do not have like it's not ray lewis with his helmet on so it, it's not like you can say well they're covered up with the helmet or so you know like soccer players or not but it, it just seems to be a trend here i don't even remember what the beckham one looks like should i look that up the beckham one's pretty bad like it i don't think it's as bad but it like it doesn't look like him much it, like there's some likeness to it because of his hair i think but it, oh, it, it looks it looks better than this. It looks better than uh, Landon Donovan. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. No, I, I think. Actually, and no disrespect what? to the artist here. I'm just I no, you know yeah. uh, I think they just try to go so eccentric with these some of these statues. And, and in fact, I think there's an, here there's another angle of the Donovan statue. There, there you see. <laughs> That is, that is mean. Wow. Uh, oh, that's not okay. That's not landed on it. Okay, never mind. 
<laughs> um, but yeah, I mean, the David Beckham one, uh, I'm going to put this one up here for us as well. Um, I know people probably want to actually hear us talk games, but you know, this is our show. I'm going to talk a little, you know, fun stuff. This will be five hours, too. but who cares? Yeah, we, we've got some important things that I wanted to talk about here. So this is... If it lets me open it, okay. When it when it loads here, this is going to be the, this is the back of one. So like the face is mostly okay. It does look like maybe its head is a little too big for the face. Yeah, like the face is too small for his head, maybe. But this one is not as egregious. Here. I'm actually yeah. okay. I take this one. This one, a little bit more of a an issue with. But let me. I will say I they nail the bodies. The, the, yeah. His his position, Donovan's is is a celebration he's done. Uh, Beckham's mm-hmm. is like him in his perfect kick motion uh, mm-hmm. on his when he bends it like Beckham when he bends it like himself there, but it is uh, you know just just the faces I think that that need the tweaking. Um, but Donovan's is definitely worse than than Beckham's, and again they, I love that they have the colored uh, uniforms because mm-hmm. like when I go see yep. statues at like man I, I was up at the Phillies. Uh, citizens bank park and and some of those you know it's cool but like when you you can't see the detail on the jerseys as much Mm -hmm. and you have to look to be like what name does that say because it's all the same color it's all bronze or whatever so i do think it is nice that they have these you know just great moments here of like you you'll know who this is from the back of his jersey without it without needing to like go scrunch your face like what does that say there <laughs> you know when people don't know who donovan or beckham is you know 20 years from now right all right let's go ahead i did just get a notification here that one of the u.s accounts were retweeting uh an italian um an italian source journalist saying that uh AC Milan is looking at Brendan Aronson. That'd be interesting. I don't like that. I don't know. I don't, if, like, like, I don't that, think that's that would kind of fit. Like a weird move. Yeah, sideways. I don't. Think, I don't. I mean, maybe it's better than sideways from Salzburg, but I, I think doing. I think he would. I don't know if it's a good development league anymore. I don't know. Especially with everybody leaving. Seems like yeah, everybody's they've had to. Well, out. you know what? People have to fill it in, right? But uh, I don't know. You know what'd be good about it is if they can consistently get Champions League, like Salzburg does. He would still be playing. And he can play with slides on. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, okay. Um, is Latin at AC Milan or is he at? Who knows at, at this point? Inter Milan. Yeah, he's at AC Milan. Okay. Yeah, he's yeah. at AC. Richard. All right. Yeah, he is. So let's talk what happened. Over the week? Oh, we had the midweek games, too. Jeez. All right. Uh, Let's just go through this real quick. Atlanta beat Miami 1-0. Toronto beat Cincinnati 3-2 in a shocking wooden spoon matchup there. D.C. beat Minnesota 3-1. And New England trounced Montreal 4-1. Red Bulls and Philly draw 1-1. Chicago beat NYCFC 2-0. At SeaKeek Stadium, they were back in their home uh, instead of Soldier Field. Columbus 2 over Cruz Azul in the Campionas Cup. So that's two in a row for MLS. Atlanta won that in 2019, Mm -hmm. and uh, Columbus win that one. Dallas lose to SKC 3-1. Nashville and Orlando draw in an exciting match 2-2. Colorado beat Austin 3-0. Didn't they beat them pretty early on in the season, or was that Austin that won and Colorado early? Like week two. Austin beat Colorado at That's what I thought. Okay. It was like their first win. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. It was like week two, and they were really excited. That that, uh, did not last. Houston drew with Vancouver 0-0. Salt Lake beat LA Galaxy 2-1. Portland beat LAFC 2-1, and Seattle beat San Jose 3-1, and that set up the weekend where Austin beat RSL uh, 2-1, Montreal beat Atlanta 2-1, Cincinnati lose to the Red Bulls 1-0. They uh, could not 
uh, do anything against Red Bulls. Orlando beat DC 2-1 late. Daryl DK scoring there. Dallas held to a 0-0 draw um, against in a traveling Minnesota there. Vancouver beat San Jose 3-0. This is just crazy. I mean, San Jose lose to Seattle, then they lose to the Whitecaps, but Whitecaps drew with <laughs> Houston. It's it's a mess with what's going on there. Sunday, NYCFC drew with Nashville 0-0. SKC beat Houston 4-2. Philly beat Columbus 3-0. And Toronto beat Chicago 3-1. Uh, that's right. Chicago that beat NYCFC uh, lost to uh, Toronto. Portland won 1-0 over Miami. LA uh, Galaxy and LAFC draw in a not-so-thrilling El Trafico. Not as exciting as like when they finished 4-4. This one finishes 1-1 uh, there. And then Seattle beat Colorado 3-0. So where does that leave us for the standings currently? Uh, the Revs are in second place. I'm just kidding. No, they're never going any lower than first at this point. They've already <laughs> clinched a playoff spot. Yeah. Uh, they're at 65 points. Nashville in second with 47. Philly in third with 42. And Orlando back up to fourth with 42 points. Those are the home playoff spots, by the way. Then we have DC in fifth, NYCFC in sixth, and Montreal in seventh. They all have 40 points. And on the outside looking in is Atlanta with 39 then you have your long shots here. New York with 34, Columbus with 34, and Miami with 32. And then you have your uh, not going to make it Chicago in 12th, Toronto in 13th, and Cincinnati in 14th. Cincinnati now in prime wooden spoon territory. Skyline Chili is better with wooden spoons. Yeah, we'll have to change. Yeah, we'll have to change yeah. that, I guess. Huh? The headline's gone. Headlines gone. Seattle lead the West with 54 points. SKC with 52 in second. Colorado hanging out in third still with 48 points. Portland all the way up to fourth. They've been on a tear. Mm. They have 46 points. Salt Lake has now moved all the way up to fifth. LA Galaxy have dropped all the way to sixth. They have 39 points. And Minnesota in seventh with 38 and on the outside looking in is Vancouver with 37 points in eighth place. Then you have LAFC in ninth with 34 points, San Jose in 10th with 33. And that's your probably the end yeah. of the conceivable people. And then uh, the teams, and then you have the, the, the Texas trio here, Dallas, Houston, Austin with 28, 27, and 25 points, respectfully. Respectfully. Was it respectfully? Yeah, like, we... and actually, okay. New England has already clinched the number one conference seed, not just the <laughs> playoffs, okay? Uh, so there you go. That's impressive. 65 points is wild. They're on pace to still break the record. Yeah. Which I think what, they could 72. end up with. Yeah, they could end up with 76. Total. Yeah. No, 34 games. So they've got five games left, 15. They could end up with 80 points. That's nuts. Uh, one thing we didn't get to mention earlier is, of course, all of this awful uh, news here in the NWSL, mm. which I don't think we can do justice as well as some no. of these other podcasts. But I do want to just bring up here, effective immediately, the Rose City Riveters, the Timbers Army, and the 107ist call on our members to boycott all concessions inside Providence Park and Portland Timbers FC official team merchandise across all platforms. And Portland Thorns. It says PTFC, so it works for both of those teams. So, yeah. you know, just all official team merchandise. It is clear that the Thorns organization is complicit in the NWSL's failures by actively sweeping incidents and complaints under the rugs. It is also abundantly evident that the PTFC leadership knew about the incidents when they were reported in 2015. So uh, we got a boycott going on here. Uh, Merritt Paulson, conspicuously absent <laughs> on social media, which is a rare thing for him. Uh, so obviously it's, it's been going on really bad. If you haven't caught up on it, we definitely recommend checking out the athletic uh, pieces on it because they've really been 
look, I, I thought mostly this was all going to be spirit stuff because Washington spirit has been a disaster all season with like COVID protocols, mm-hmm. uh, harassment stuff, but it really has stretched out to all of NWSL. And we, we learned about the thorns side of it just mm-hmm. this past week. And it has just been uh, disgusting. Really. It just not, I haven't really even been able to look at some of that stuff because I just, oh, it's so horrible. sad. Yeah. Yeah, so check out Meg Linehan's article. Yes, yeah. This guy has a pattern amid institutional failure. Former NWSL players accused prominent coach of sexual coercion, and it speaks for itself. I mean, it's it is. How do you how how would they, how would you uh, what's the word? Um, gosh, now it's like really just escaped me. But it, um, dang, harrowing. I guess like it. Yeah. It, it's very like when you read it, it's like you can. You can be there. And the way she wrote it, Meg does a fantastic job. Um, so if you really want to read and get uh, a feel of just how horrible this is, and maybe you need to, so that way we can get something done um, to make sure that this never happens ever again, just just read Meg's article. It's one of the best pieces I've ever written or seen written on a, such a horrible <laughs> yeah. topic. So you're like, going to take credit for that, Logan? What? Take credit for what? Were you, were you about to take credit for it? You said it's one of the best pieces I have ever written. Ever I written, mean, yeah. I have ever read. Uh, <laughs> I have ever read. No, I did not, <laughs> I did not write this. Um, but yeah, Paul Riley, uh, the, whole, the whole thing with Merritt Paulson, it's it's deplorable. It, it's it's just not good. Like it, it needs something needs to happen, and I'm not sure it can happen because of the positions that some of these people are in. Yeah, it's really unfortunate. Yeah, at uh, least Baird uh, yeah. quit or got fired. From yeah, her. right. She had to. Yeah, yeah. This was uh, not good. Um, let's just quickly look ahead here to there are MLS games during this window here. So let me just take a quick look at what we got here. We got on Saturday Red Bulls versus Miami at six o'clock on Univision, TUDN, and Twitter. Um, Cincinnati versus Philly at eight o'clock on ESPN plus and Seattle, Vancouver at nine o'clock on ESPN plus. Unfortunately, I'm at a, and I don't want to say unfortunately, but uh, you know, I'm at a wedding that day. So I'm not probably going to be able to catch a lot of these games. Unfortunately, uh, Sunday, we have Minnesota versus Colorado at four o'clock, but we have some qualifiers coming up at Q2 stadium in Austin, the U S take on Jamaica at seven 30 on ESPN2, Univision, and TUDN uh, on Thursday, October 7th. So I'm really excited for that. Uh, you know, Chris seems like he thought that, you know, USA are going to win that game. Do you have uh, Do you have the similar thoughts here that they're going to go ahead and win that game against Jamaica? Yeah, it'd be a huge letdown if they don't. Um, playing on home soil, I think playing with some confidence now that you've got a pretty decent result coming out of the first window. After maybe really uh, just bashing your head in a little wall after the first two matches, but you know coming out of there, um, looking up and being tied with Canada and chasing down Mexico, um, I think we're in a good position to to beat uh, a lot of these teams in this window, uh, and I think that the windows coming up are more favorable um, as well. So I think that it, this starts like that ultimate uh, tread towards uh, getting to. Uh, a spot that U.S. men's national team wants to be, and I, I do have confidence in the team that that has been selected to come over and handle business. So let's just hope that Q2 stadium is a lot nicer to um, us than it is maybe to the, the host team that sits there currently. Yeah. And by host team, it's Cincinnati, if you didn't know. Yeah, no, I got it. Yeah. Because they're – never mind, never mind. Because they haven't been – yeah. What, well, what Q2 is, is Austin, but, you know. Uh, Q2 uh, is uh, – that's also true. Uh, uh, but they true. haven't been good either. Uh, definitely want to continue – not to have that, but yeah, they will go ahead and uh, then uh, the U.S. will face Panama in Panama on Sunday at six o'clock on Paramount Plus, and then of course they round out at Lower.com Field, Colorado. That's right, uh, not Colorado. Sorry, uh, Columbus, Lower.com Field, U.S. versus Costa Rica um, uh, on ESPN two Unimas TUDN at seven o'clock on Wednesday, October thirteenth. But we'll talk about that game next week so we'll 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 talk about these two games uh jamaica and panama games 
And man, we got Mexico Canada at nine forty on Thursday. That's a really Ooh. good matchup. And we'll talk about those next week, and we'll also talk about those like four MLS games next mm-hmm. week as well. So uh, this show has run a little long today, but uh, if you want to go ahead and give us a follow, you can reach us on Twitter at Stateside Show, Instagram if it's up at Stateside Show, <laughs> Facebook.com/slash Stateside Show again if it's working. Email us statesideshow at gmail.com. And Logan, any last things to say here before we head on out? Go, go, USA. Um, let's get some points here and show why we're a good team. Perfect. All right. You heard it here, Team USA. Go out there and get the points. And we will see you on the other side before that uh, game in Columbus. So thanks for Tomorrow, throwing his body in. It's going to fall for Ibrahimovic. Oh, come on. Come on. Thank you for listening to Stoppage Time Soccer Show. We hope that you continue to listen to our show as we recap the U.S. men's national team, Americans Abroad, MLS, USL. This is Stateside Soccer Show presented by Stoppage Time Soccer Show. Have a good one.